It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Welcome in to the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben B. Baby Barn filling in for the P-Man. Philip the Ref Pilkington alongside me. And Chris Cook, a.k.a. George Costanza. The, the man is in town. I want my $10. Welcome into the Patrick Johnson Show. A huge weekend for sports and a huge weekend for ECU, especially on the basketball side of things. But first, some breaking news out of ECU football. Um, a lot of, basically a news tidbit, tidbit here that a lot of people were uh, dreading to hear, but we all knew it was coming. Keaton Mitchell, just a, about an hour ago, officially declared for the NFL draft. I think no surprise there. One of the better pirate running backs of all time. Um, obviously, you got CJ uh, 2K, um, Junior Smith, among many others, but Keaton has cemented his place in part history. And much like Holton helped get this program right back on track, you know, I see a lot of people with a lot of negativity about his pro potential and all that. I don't care about all that. Let's just celebrate his career and say a huge congratulations to Deuce, the man. Probably the best part player I've seen during my time here. In person, I'm going to say the same for me, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, just Keaton, Keaton Mitchell, when you look at his pro potential, the fact that he can catch out of the backfield, He's got that next level speed. I know there's, a, there's some concerns about he, him being a blocker. Well, that hasn't deterred a lot of uh, running backs in the NFL nowadays. There's a lot of running backs who are very top t- top level talents and great running backs who don't necessarily block very well. So I don't think that necessarily bothers me. And I don't think size is necessarily an issue when it comes to Keaton Mitchell. Yeah, he's a little guy, but we're seeing running backs in the NFL right now that are not necessarily uh, holding up on the size end of things. They're doing. Um, unbelievably well. So, Keaton Mitchell, congratulations to him. Um, one of the best pirate players I've ever seen, and um, we wish him very well when it comes to his NFL potential um, and his pro career moving forward. Going on to the ECU basketball side of things, huge win. One of the bigger, bitter wins we've seen in the last couple of years. ECU gets their very first win against Wichita State on the road at Wichita, which is not an easy place to play. One of the tougher environments to play in the AAC in basketball. Parts get the win 79 to 69. I'm just looking at the stats here. Obviously, Brandon Johnson led the way with 17 points, eight rebounds, a very well rounded performance on his part. He was named to the AAC's weekly honor roll. He actually made the, he didn't get honorable mention. He actually made the team this week. So, definitely good to see that. And uh, the big thing of Brandon Johnson, it's something I've been hammering home every year. Um, he was money from three this game, three from four from beyond the perimeter. Um, when you got a guy, a forward, a lengthy forward like that, that can also rebound, but also stretch the floor and make things happen from beyond the arc, that holds, that adds a whole nother dimension to your offense, even if it's just picking your shots, even if it's only four shots from beyond the perimeter. There's a huge threes that can really uh, turn in your favor, especially from a lengthened forward like Brandon Johnson. 
And I think that was definitely very key on the offensive side of things. It adds a whole other dimension to your offense. And Mike Schwartz has even said that when I've asked him about it. It's definitely good to see that come together. And uh, I would say the big thing, and it's something that's plagued them in the last couple of games, has been their effectiveness from the charity strike. We've seen the last couple of games, they just could not knock down shots from the free throw line. This game, 19 from 22, 86.4% from the free throw line. I would say that is more than anything the key to the game that beaten Wichita State, something they've struggled in in their recent losses here um, in non-conference play. And moving over to conference play, we saw it against Temple. Um, definitely huge. No, I think so. I was thinking that right after the game. It's like, man, Coach Schwartz is probably ticked off. We keep asking him about free throw shooting, and sure enough, they did it. Yeah. And they did it down the stretch, too. So, you know, you mentioned three misses there. All those three misses came early. Yep. When it was time, when we were getting fouled, and they started fouling very early. I believe they committed their first foul with 147 remaining in, like, a 10-point game. You thought they'd have done another possession or two. Yep. And, um... I don't think they missed a free throw down the stretch. Even Ezra Osar, who's one of the you know the lower free throw percentage guys on the team, he was four of six. Yep. Uh, both of his misses came early in the game, and he was two of two there at the end when it mattered most. Speaking of Ezra Osar, uh, freshman forward, highly touted prospect um, coming into this ECU basketball program under Mike Schwartz. 16 points, uh, five rebounds, and stayed out of foul trouble. Only had two fouls in that game. and That's really been the big problem with Ezra. Ended up getting 30 minute, 31 minutes in that ball game. And uh, Mike Schwartz has said that. He's wanted to get him more minutes. It's a matter of him being mindful and developing and learning, you know, how much fouls you have, being mindful of those kind of things. And if you stay out of foul trouble, you're going to get more minutes. And we saw Ezra put together a very solid game, especially for a freshman. And I've always said, if we can get him going, he's got that next-level talent. And I'm going to say it once again. You're probably getting sick of it. They'd be like a Jaden Gardner, Tristan Newton type of player. We're happy to have this guy here. He's shown that athleticism. He's shown that ability. And we saw it in this game with his 16 points, five rebounds. And like you said, knocking down his free throws. So that was definitely very huge. And I think he's really the X factor along with Brandon Johnson and his three-point shooting in this offense. And obviously, R.J. Felton, Javon Small having very solid days. Javon 14, R.J. 13. Those are your stalwarts on the offensive end. Very well-rounded scoring in general for these Pirates starters, and it's something you'll love to see, especially in conference play in a big game against Wichita State that should give you a lot of confidence moving forward with this young team that's still learning how to gel and move forward and play the way that Mike Schwartz wants to play here with this ECU basketball program. A um, couple of other quick numbers here, another couple other quick notes. Only non-turnovers to uh, Wichita State's 11. Um, also, when you look at rebound and didn't necessarily dominate the rebounding, but they won the rebounding battle. 33 rebounds to Wichita State's 30 and um, got 11 offensive rebounds, something that Mike Schwartz has really put an emphasis on is just making sure they can get those second-chance opportunities and able to do that with 11 offensive rebounds. You're going to win for the most part if you get that many. If you get over 10 and you're able to get second-chance opportunities and get physical in the paint, and they definitely were that, um, just cleaning the glass and being very active around the glass. So uh, it's altogether a complete Mike Schwartz game, something we want to see from him. 
No, I agree. The one thing, the one thing that was a knock, though, they allowed a few too many off turns. I believe yeah, I don't have the numbers yeah. in front of me. But I believe 13. fourteen second chance points yep. on thirteen offensive rebounds. Yeah, for the Shockers. But I think a little bit had to do with that. You know, you mentioned Ezra. It's not all on Ezra, but you know, yeah. trying to be a little more disciplined inside. Probably played slightly less physical. Yep, and it allowed more. Uh, opportunities. And the other thing is they missed a handful of threes because they took a handful of threes. Yep. And sometimes on three-point attempts, you have more longer rebounds. So overall, it wasn't horrible. But 14 second-chance points is a little more than you'd like to see yeah. out of your opponent. Yeah, and Wichita State's always going to be tough. You know, they've had issues with coaching here recently, still trying to find their identity after some turnover. This is not necessarily a great Wichita State team, but nonetheless, always a team that comes out and is very competitive. And like I said, even in their down years, Wichita State is not a tough place to play at. There's a reason why we were seeking that first win coming into this game, uh, just in general. And uh, to win there at Wichita, one of the bigger time environments in the AAC, I think it's a marquee win for Mike Schwartz so far. Um, I would say, you know, we had some good wins, a non-conference game against Toledo, High Point, a couple other schools. This is the, but I'm not going to say it's the best win, but it's I would say it's the best win because it's conference play. But it's definitely my favorite win just because it's more meaningful to the program and it gives you a lot of confidence moving forward. You're right. It probably is the second or maybe even third best team if you look at South Carolina and Toledo. But there is something about conference play, and you'd hate to start 0-2 in league play. Absolutely. And it, also the fact that it was a true road game, too. You know, you mentioned those other big wins. They either came at home or at neutral sites to prove that you can go on the road to a hostile environment, like you said, Wichita State, very tough place to play, and you go on and win there. That's what I like about it as well. And, you know, it's early, of course, but the AAC, the AAC standing so far, um, you know, Pirates still can make a play in terms of just find themselves in good seating down the stretch, just no matter how they do in conference play. But when you're looking at it, even kind of the heavyweights in this conference, when you look at Memphis, I'm looking at a couple other schools like Tulane and Cincinnati teams that people were very high on coming into the year. They're all at one and one in conference play so far. So we're in a very uh, favorable spot right now in the conference. You're coming up against the UCF team who also has 10 wins and one and one in conference play. UCF, I would think, would be, I don't want to say the worst team we'll play so far, but UCF is beatable just because they're put together very strange. It's really built on two freshman guards who have been lights out. Um, and then outside of that, you have a lot of veteran transfers coming in. It's a weird put-together team, but Johnny Dawkins, a great coach, should be a good win. And it's the return game for Brandon Suggs this Wednesday. So it hasn't necessarily been great with UCF, but nonetheless, Brandon Suggs, an important player, in the last couple of years for ECU, it'll be a good little homecoming game, especially to get a win against that team. Yeah, obviously he won't start, or most likely won't start. He hasn't yeah. been starting. Uh, but when he does check into the game, it's, I'm entertained to see how the Pirate fans react. Will he get a standing ovation, or are they going to boo him for leaving and going to, it, to an in-league Yeah, team? if it would have been somewhere else, um, the fact it was in-conference play, and it's not like UCF is necessarily like a marquee program right now in basketball in the conference. Maybe he just wanted to go live it up in Orlando. I don't know, but yeah. The decision didn't necessarily fare well with Pirate fans, but you got to acknowledge he did a lot of great things for us. I mean, he was kind of, for a while there, early on, the kind of the number two guy behind Jaden Garner before Tristan came around. So You know how petty people are. They're going to they're gonna boo him. Well, they're being petty about Keaton Mitchell. <laughs> so, See, I, mean, that's ridi- I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. Give him his congratulations, like, let him go. And then with this guy, like, I don't know, people just act so petty sometimes. What's the phrase we always see on Twitter? Respect my decision. Respect his decision. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't – I agree with Chris. Sometimes they're being too petty. But – and I'm not saying you should boo him. You should thank him for his time here. But it is kind of like you said – 
Ben, it's kind of tough when you transfer in league. You'd yeah. be different if he was showing out and he just so happened to go to Houston. It was like he's clearly going to a big time yeah. program and he chose, or Houston. even a Memphis. Yeah. But yeah, but it's like, man, you couldn't have gone, you know, somewhere else. But you know, maybe like you said, maybe he likes Orlando. Maybe he's a big Disney World guy. And you know, <laughs> if you had the opportunity to play for Johnny Dawkins, I think any of us would take it. So absolutely, Johnny Dawkins, one of the better coaches in the conference. Well, coming up. Uh, Carolina Panthers in a weird spot right now, officially eliminated from playoff contention. We're going to have a little segment we call Cat Corner with a roundtable with the Carolina Panthers coming off on the other side right here on the post-New Year's edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of Pirate Football. 94.3 The Game. Attention business owners and management, Roebuck Staffing of Greenville and Newburn is here for you. Will Roebuck and his staff are committed to fulfilling your staffing needs. Whether you're a contractor, a manufacturing company, or if you just need janitorial or clerical work for your business. Roebuck Staffing also does temporary to permanent and direct hiring. Roebuck Staffing is your trusted partner for all of your staffing needs and employment opportunities. Call Roebuck Staffing at 252-364-8700 or find them online at roebuckstaffing.com. I'm in the studio with my friend Sproul Alexander, who is the Senior Vice President for Town Insurance. And Sproul, people keep coming to Town Insurance. Tell us why. Henry, it's really simple. It's because of our insurance knowledge, our product choices, our ability to service our clients, and our community involvement. That's true. We see town insurance everywhere. But now let's talk about the choices. What kind of choices are there? What kind of insurance do you handle for people? Our choices are endless. No matter what kind of insurance that you may need, we can handle it for you. And we're talking about business. We're talking about health insurance. We're talking about home and auto, the whole gamut. Yes, sir. All right. So, folks, come to town. That's town insurance. And uh, tell us the telephone number they can reach you. 252-756-8300. And the website? Towninsurance.com. Town with an E. Got to put that E on the town. Folks, now is the time to come to town. Town insurance. If you've been injured in an accident and need cash now before your case settles, Oasis Financial can help. Last month, Oasis helped over 3,000 people. Why not you? If you have an attorney, call Oasis Financial today at 877-266-9107. It takes just three minutes to apply. And once you're approved, get $500 to $100,000 of your settlement in as little as 24 hours with no risk to you. That's right. Get $500 to $100,000 within one day. If you lose your case, you don't have to pay Oasis back ever. So call Oasis today to see if you qualify at 877-266-9107. That's 877-266-9107. Call Oasis today at 877-266-9107. Oasis is currently not providing legal funding in Arkansas, Kansas, Kentucky, Maryland, North Carolina, North Dakota, or West Virginia. Like us on Facebook for breaking sports stories and the latest from around the Pirate Nation. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. That's 94.3 The Game's Facebook page. Like us and follow us there today. You know, we did talk about the fact that the Pirates have never beaten 
uh, this program, and I'm not never one in here either. So it's something that you know you want to strive for, and you want to hopefully try and change it a little bit and do something that hadn't been done. But in the big picture, the, the win doesn't count for any more. You know what the big thing is, Jeff? It's a road conference win, and it doesn't matter who it's against. If you can get any of those, they're difficult. Winning at home is difficult. Oh yeah. But if you can win a road game, uh, I think that's what's really important. It's our first conference win as a team together and it happens to come on the road and you know still thinking about that temple game to be honest with you but that, you know i'm happy you're able to come and get one here in wichita mike schwartz the ECU sports radio network there with the voice of the pirates jeff charles coaches show immediately following our show at six o'clock inside ec athletics live from logan's roadhouse stay tuned for that at six o'clock meantime pirates get a huge win on the road against wichita state 79 to 69 they moved to 10 and 5 on the season and one and one in conference play. Let's go or transition over to a segment I like to call Cat Corner here as the Carolina Panthers take a tough, tough loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road, a very winnable game for the Panthers that ended up not to be. Um, Buccaneers winning that game 30-24. to Panthers 6-10 and on the season, officially out of playoff contention. Tampa Bay Buccaneers lock off a playoff spot and I believe lock up the division. So, uh Tom Brady back at it again. Taking a look at that game, my big take up oh, the Bruins just score. I'm nope. They just won. <laughs> yeah. Either way, taking a look at that game, um, the big key and the big, big takeaway with me or with me in that game was obviously the secondary and the lack of defensive adjustments when it came to Mike Evans. Mike Evans three touchdowns on the day, a real huge day for him. Um, C.J. Henderson and Keith Taylor, more so C.J. Henderson. Could not contain him. And it begs the big question. You signed Josh Norman two games left. You seemingly, it seemed like um, he was primed to start in that game. And maybe Mike up against a Mike Evans at the very, or match up against a Mike Evans, or at the very least, match up against a Julio Jones or a Chris Godwin, who also had a really big day. Instead, you play him for two snaps. Played uh, some pretty meaningful two snaps. Played pretty well on those two uh, plays there. But only two snaps for Josh Norman. What's the point of signing him if you're not going to play him is the big question. What was the point? Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, it'd be different if it's like even with a loss, next week would still be meaningful. Yeah. I get that. But this was a playoff game for yeah. the Carolina Panthers. Um, it may not be a postseason playoff it's game. A, but it's, it's the equivalent a of a play-in game yeah, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. So you got to win the game. And, you know, if he wasn't ready, he wasn't ready. But when you go on there and say he's going to play 25, 30 snaps – you know, and he only plays two. He looked good, like you said, in those two snaps. But I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, you could say this guy should have been in the game or that guy should have been in the game. But at the end of the day, it's about adjustments and Absolutely. they didn't make any adjustments. I wanted, you know, a lot of man, and there was a lot of zero man. And that's what was cooking. If you play a little two man. Yeah. Terrible game plan. And there were some plays, I'm sure, they ran two man. It's a little tough on TV because you don't have, like, the Madden view. Yeah. But um, I think there was some two man, and we didn't really get – Yep. You know, exposed against two man, and I understand you can't run the same coverage every time. And there's plenty of zone plays, and I thought the zone played pretty good, especially the soft zone because we were rallying down the field. We had a couple missed tackles, but um, when we were in a soft zone, that was really when we were getting a lot of our stops. When we played a more of aggressive zone, that's when they were kind of working in behind us and yeah. and throwing the ball 10, 12 yards on the field and were successful. But uh, you would like to see the fact that when we did go man, at least go one or two man, uh, meaning you have one high or two high safeties there to kind of help out, especially when. Anytime they pre-snapped man, they were calling a play or tagging a route where Mike Evans had to go, and clearly, you know, he cooks us for 200 yards and three tutties. Absolutely. You, you, you 
go up against a future Hall of Famer. You know you're going to do it. Mike Evans has had a down year, but nonetheless, you know your cornerbacks and your secondary need some help. You sign a veteran. I thought that was the whole point. Josh Norman has thrived against Mike Evans in the past. I didn't really understand that. I think, if anything, this exposed Steve Wilkes big time when it came to adjustments. It's not only for the defensive end. There was times where special teams didn't know what the hell to do a lot of times. We burnt a timeout because special teams on the punt unit, we were a man short. Nobody seemed to know what the hell was going on. The clock's ticking. We can't even get the punt unit out there to do a punt. Burn a timeout. Yeah, and it would have been different if, say, the guy that was not on the field was like Chuba Hubbard and yeah. he had ran the ball on the previous play and been shaken up. Yeah. But um, nobody was injured on the previous play, so if it was an injury from earlier in the game, someone should have already addressed that. I'm not sure who the player was. Uh, but, yeah, there's no excuse for that. I mean, this is an NFL team. I mean, that's that's some JV high school crap right yeah. there. And then everybody talks at the end of the game, well, that delay of game saved them from a missed field goal. Well, no, they missed the field goal because they rushed out there. <laughs> Why was the field goal team not already ready? You yeah. know with three timeouts there that you're going to try and clock Another the coaching. ball and kick the field goal. You should have had all 11 guys are on that field goal team standing right next to Steve Wilkes or whoever – you know, on the sidelines so they could run out there. Well, they took their sweet butt time going out there. I mean, I understand, you know, the clock was stopped, but he had to rush the kick. That's why he missed the first one, and then you back him up five yards. Luckily he made it, but that kick's another six inches longer. He only barely snuck it inside the upright. Then it's probably a missed kick. I think what ultimately plagued Steve Wilkes in this game is the same thing that plagued Ron Rivera here in Carolina towards the end is the fact you played not to lose instead of play to win. Very conservative, except for fourth downs. We had some pretty big fourth down calls, except for a punt on fourth and one. We really needed a play there. But nonetheless, um, most of the time, very conservative play calling. It reminded me a lot of Riverboat Ron, and not the best of Riverboat Ron. And uh, I think that's what ultimately played Steve Wilkes. Um, you know, obviously, he comes from that Ron Rivera coaching tree. Uh, maybe bought into it a little bit too much. Ron Rivera in a dilemma with Washington. More on that later in our Monday afternoon quarterback in the next segment. But it begs the question, uh, does, this, does this game cost Steve Wilkes a shot next year? No. You don't think so? No. I, I think it should, but um, no. I, I think the problem is with David Tepper, he's already said he wants an offensive-minded head coach and somebody new in there. Steve Wilkes had to be near perfect towards the end. If not, he had to, like, at least uh, – he at least had to win this game. And maybe if you lost the final game, whatever – but he had to win that game, and I think David Tepper, we know he's very hands-on like a Jerry Jones. He wants to be Jerry. He wants to make it David's world, Uncle Dave's world, much like Jerry with the old Dome Stadium and Rock Hill and all that, which hasn't worked out. Um, he's very hands-on. He wants to put his print on this team. Um, I think Steve Wilkes kind of played his way out of a job out of that during, because of just the playoff implications in this game. Like you said, it's pretty much a playoff game. It was a play equivalent of a play-in game for the NBA. Well, look how look at how Mike Evans played throughout the year, and then against the Panthers. Uh, Panthers yeah. always get those games too. <laughs> they, they always get those they games. Yeah. So here's the reason I think he didn't blow his chances, and, and I'm not going to get on this rabbit hole too long. But yep. look, when Steve Wilkes was fired yep. in Arizona, he played the whole. I got fired. Played the race card, and I agree. And I, and agree. I, I don't yeah. think he had anything to do with yeah. race, but he was. Yeah, but yeah, like he that. shouldn't have been fired. Especially I don't think when he hired Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, because the same thing with Chazinski in Cleveland. But because he tried to like sue the league and all that, I could see Tepper with Tepper's politics side yep. bringing Wilkes in That's from a, a political point. side. Yep. Same reason he brought Eric Reed in. And look, and I'm not going to get into you know 
whether he should do that, shouldn't, whatever. But that is the reason I think he's probably going to get it because that's how Tepper thinks, so that's why I think Well, even with the Rooney rule now, don't you get, like, in compensary or comp, a, comp, a comp draft pick now if you, like, hire a black coach? I don't know exactly. There's, like, a weird rule with that where you, yeah. like, benefit from hiring, like, minority coaches. So, I don't know. I, I get your point. I could see that for sure. Um, I could see it from both ways. Um I could see him overthinking it and going and getting like a Kellen Moore or something like that, or really screwing it up and getting uh, uh, throw a name out there, Byron Lefwish or something yeah. like that. Just really fumbling the bag. Um, Jim Harbaugh seems to like be a big money play here of recent. He's saying he wants to coach in the NFL again. That seems like a Tepper move where he wants to make a home run hire with an experienced guy. Um, I could see him also making a move like that and thinking we could just hit the ground running. So, yeah, I think he he definitely could, and I hope he doesn't because I do like the whole – you know, you said he kind of wants to do the offensive-minded head coach. Well, that's what's winning you right now. More so than before, there's a reason that Andy Reid is having more success now than he did back in the Previously, day. And yeah. now, yeah, I get Patrick Mahomes is a big part of that. But you got to think, when he was with Philly and they were on their run and they were losing three consecutive NFC Championship games, uh, it was more of a defensive-minded game. And he lost to teams who had better defenses than him. Well, now, because he was an offensive-minded guy, he's having his success as an offensive-minded coach. Because the league's looking, changed. Yeah, the league has definitely changed. You're looking at Kyle Shanahan. Uh, yes, they've had a service quarterback but still they are offensive-minded guys offensive-minded gurus and those are the guys who are winning games so I really do like the whole offensive-minded guys becoming head coaches now more than defensive-minded guy and that's what Wilkes is absolutely two more questions here on the uh, cat corner as we like to call it I'm not re- loving that name but whatever it was spur of the moment who named it that I named it that and you don't and you don't like it I don't like it get, man no. you need to get on it you need to get on it <laughs> yeah you're a creative guy Chris you're the one supposed to come up with fun names Okay, how about uh, what's that bear doing? You know, like the Robbie Anderson quote. That's right. funny. No, That's right. lighthearted, yours, right? Yours was somehow worse than mine. All right, let's move on here. Another fun question. Sam Darnold, three touchdowns on the day, two turnovers, um, over 300 passing yards. Do you keep Sam Darnold for another year? I say yes. I think he. I, I think the contract will be friendly. Even if it's just for a year or two, something, a, a team-friendly deal. Sam Darnold's capable. I'm looking at this draft. I'm not seeing anybody who's going to hit the ground running. There's no sure things in the draft. Well, there's year. no sure thing in any draft, but I'm more so there's no generational-type talent in this draft at the quarterback position, especially sure. if we're, we're sitting at nine right now. I don't think there's going to be a Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud sitting at nine this year. Um, and then you look at uh, the free agent class this year, a lot of Tom Brady's, Geno Smith's. You're kind of in the same boat with guys like that. So I'm torn between this because I think Darnold has played well enough to deserve a, like a one-year deal. Yeah. The only problem is he's been in the league for five years now. I've not seen anything great out of him. And I don't probably think you're going to get much more. And nowadays you need a star. You trade it up to get Matt Corral. You've got him. In a way, I would just like to see Corral be the starter, bring P.J. back as the backup, and, and see what happens. Because I think Sam Darnold's going to keep you in quarterback purgatory. You're going to win seven or eight more games next year, and then again, you know, Drake May's not going to be there at, at the 10th pick. I agree, but I think now's the time, especially these draft class, when you need a bridge quarterback like that. And I would disagree. 49ers have done pretty well with guys like that. And not necessarily – if I'm, I'm conflicted because I feel like if you bring back Wilkes, he seems to get the best out of Sam Darnold. So does Ben McAdoo, even though Ben McAdoo took his fair share of criticism, and rightfully so. But if you get an offensive-minded head coach uh, similar to the vein of Kyle Shanahan, do you keep a guy like Sam Darnold who can maybe muster up that Jimmy Garoppolo magic? 
or do you let him get his guy? It's just it's an interesting dilemma. I think it comes down to contract. And who necessarily is the uh, the coaching hire coming up in this offseason? Um, I could see it both ways. I'm not entirely against either way there. And like you said, Sam Darnold's been in the league long enough to where we need to see him have big games. I like this game despite some of the turnovers. Um, he was playing aggressive. Um, the fumble on the snap, that seemed like clear miscommunication. Um, I don't know necessarily if that's quarterback or center problem. It could be either or. Um, but the other turnovers weren't great. Wasn't loving them. Um, Icky did not have his best game. I'll give him that much. But I think you need to give Sam Darnold his flowers. He's played well down the stretch. I think if him and Wilkes are playing this whole season, we wouldn't even be talking about losing this playoff spot. We still very much would be fighting or maybe possibly cementing it, especially in this very weak division of the NFC South this year. My thing is if you do bring back Darnold yep. one year, yep. don't give him this three-year deal where you lock him down. I agree, you know, yes. Don't yeah, do a Teddy it. Bridgewater type yeah. move here. Yeah, give we him, don't need he's that. He's got to prove it. Give him, I'm okay with a prove it deal. It's not what I would And I think, I think prefer, he's humble enough where he'll take it. He, I think he is. He's desperate to prove that he can be a successful quarterback in this league. And we've seen that drive that we haven't seen from Sam Darnold this year down the stretch. You know, it's always been a confidence, a middle issue with Sam Darnold. And I think he's cleaned that up here as of late. And whatever magic we got of, out of him here of late, I hope it carries over if we do bring him back. Final question. Panthers sitting at number nine in the draft. Doesn't seem like you're going to get your quarterback unless you take a chance on a guy like Will Levis, which Tepper has said he really likes Will Levis, which worries the hell out of me. Oof. He really likes him. I don't want you to get a guy like Richardson. I could see Tepper making a huge play, much like he did with Watson and Russell Wilson in Stafford. Yep. For a guy like Lamar Jackson. But what do you do in the draft moving forward to the ninth overall pick? And if you win this next game, um, you might be sitting at 10 or 11. I say you go edge rusher or you go cornerback. That's clearly been the biggest need. You need to pair a guy with Brian Burns. Um, pass rush has been very questionable at times this year and been very inconsistent. Etor Grosmatos has not been consistent, hasn't been the guy they thought they were going to be or the big uh, or be the big get that they thought they were going to be. Um, it's been plaguing them for a couple years now, just figuring out the pass rush with Brian Burns and whatnot, or pairing a guy with Brian Burns. And then you look at the secondary, you're not, not, you're not quite sure. Um, really, outside of J.C. Horn and Dante Jackson, what do you have and who's going to be sticking around? I would preferably like to see Dante Jackson play a little bit more safety just because of his speed. You're right, yeah. You had a, uh, I was saying, what do you do if that number nine overall pick or if you, if you win this next game, obviously the draft position um, is going to get a little bit lower. Do you take a chance at a quarterback, or do you go a little bit more for the needs on the defensive side of the ball? So, because look, I mean, if you're not going to get your guy at yep. quarterback, which you're probably not, you know, those guys are probably going one two or one three. Um, yeah, I mean, there's this is a really good defensive draft, and there's no reason to not take another piece. I think we got a lot of great players on this defense, guys. I love, I love Frankie Louvu. I agree. Brian Burns, keep him around. Um, Shaq but, Thompson needs to go. Uh, <laughs> he probably does. Hit the road. He's there for a while. But obviously you got J.C. Horn. So, yeah, get another spot there. I mean, the offensive line, I, I'm okay running with the five we got. I agree. Um, I mean, obviously if you get another, what would be really nice? And I haven't looked at the mocks. But there's like a really good tight end there. I mean, I know first round's kind of early, but like Brock Bowers I would love. I don't know if he's a first-round pick. but What about Myers out of Notre Dame? Yeah. 
Man, he we might need be there in a second. He might. Yeah, yeah, we need a tight end. And I know I'm kind of going off a tangent. Yeah. What, what I really want is a good tight end. Obviously a good quarterback. But no, to answer your question, sorry, yes. I, I would go with a defensive piece. You're really the best available. I'm thinking corner or maybe like a defensive end, another pass rusher. I think you need somebody opposite Brian Burns. There's been a few guys step in this year, and they've played well, and I think they deserve a spot on this roster. They deserve to uh, to be rotational pieces on that D-line, but I think you need that second guy. Absolutely. Well, that's going to do it for Cat Corner. It was fun. It was fun. I think we posed a lot of interesting questions there. It's been real. It's been fun. East. But it ain't been real fun. Oh, okay. All right. Just crap on it, why don't you? EC Basketball. <laughs> In a good spot right now, 10-5, one and one in conference play, coming off a huge win against Wichita State. They return home in a homecoming game for Brandon Suggs and Menchie's Coliseum this Wednesday against UCF. We're giving away a family four-pack of tickets along with a $25 Chico's gift card. All you have to do is be car number 3252-561-4263. All we're going to ask is, what's your New Year's resolution? That's all we're going to ask. And you got to come on the air if you want the tickets, right? Yes, absolutely. Yes, okay. Otherwise, That's I'll a condition. you. 252-561-4263 right here on the Patrick Johnson Show, 94.3 The Game. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of Pirate Basketball, 94.3 The Game. Need $1,000 to $10,000 immediately for a gift for someone special, car repairs, or unexpected expenses? Time Financing Service offers competitive loan rates. Apply online and get your answer in less than an hour in most cases. Then you can pick up the cash at any of our 24 convenient locations. Apply online 24-7 at timefinancing.com. That's timefinancing.com. Time Financing Service. All loans subject to current credit policy of Time Financing Service. One-hour loan approval and same-day cash in most circumstances. Exceptions may apply. Philip Pilkington here with your 94.3 The Game Pirate Report, brought to you by our pirate partners, Moore's Old Time Barbecue Chicken and Seafood. Bring the whole family for great food. If it's not Moore's, it's less. Caripsy Restaurant in Emerald Isle. Exceptional steak, locally sourced seafood, and delicious signature cocktails. Fantastic Sam's Cut and Color. Eastern North Carolina's Fantastic Sam's are locally owned and operated to make you look great. A huge win for Pirate Basketball this weekend. They got their first ever win at Wichita State. They did it by a score of 79-69 to against a team that was only allowing 59 points per game. The Pirates shot 19 of 22 from the charity stripe. That is 86%, and they were 40% from downtown, shooting 10 of 25. This was also the first win for Coach Mike Schwartz in league play. The Pirates improve to 10-5 and five on the season and 1-1 one and one in American Athletic Conference play. Their next game against a AAC team will come Wednesday night against UCF that can be heard right here on 94.3 The Game. Patrick Johnson's show starting at 5. Network coverage at 6.30. Tip-off is at 7. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Pirate Report. I'm Philip Pilkington. It's time to travel again, and it's time to enjoy the convenience of flying from Pitt Greenville Airport. Reservations are available now at AA.com. Whether you're flying for business or leisure, Pitt Greenville Airport and American Airlines can get you to Charlotte and then anywhere on the map. You can't beat the convenience of parking right next to the terminal and the short lines at ticketing and security. For your next trip, check out the great rates offered at AA.com and support your local Pitt Greenville Airport. 
Get the latest on the East Carolina Pirates each day on the Patrick Johnson Show with our daily Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates and Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. 94.3 The Game. Great song. Welcome back to the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben B. Baby Barm filling in for the P-Man. Chris Cook on the ones and twos. Philip Reth Hilton alongside some really great Panther steaks. Good stuff there, Philip. Um, congratulations to our winner, Bud, from Pac Tolis. Living it up. Listening. He didn't want to come on the air, though. That's fair. I know him pretty well. Okay. He's having a good time. He's enjoying New Year's. Everybody's trying to enjoy the New Year's, post-New Year's, enjoy their final day before they have to go back to work, back to reality. 2023, hopefully a better year. They didn't want to talk. They're too busy watching the Rose Bowl. That's what it is. There we go. Speaking of the Rose Bowl, the Cotton Bowl was an all-timer. Tulane pulling it off in wild fashion, 46-45 over the fighting Lincoln Rileys and 10th-ranked USC with the Heisman winner, Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams had a great day, 462 passing yards, five touchdowns. Tajay Spears, an even better day, 205 rushing yards on 17 carries, four touchdowns. Jeez. Marquee win for Tulane coming off a 2-10 and season. They finished 12-2 and and went in the Cotton Bowl. Now looking like the premier team in the American, and they're sticking around. So congrats to Tulane. I'm happy for them. I mean, uh, you can't uh, – Michael Pratt – Michael Pratt uh, had some questionable plays down the stretch, but only got the, ultimately got the job done. That catch in the end zone, I don't even know why that was in question. Like – the initial ruling is that he dropped it. didn't look like he dropped it. If anything, it looked like it was in his arms. It doesn't matter if he secured the football. But they were, they were like writing it off as it was, like it was a blatant drop. I think what happened is the referee had an angle and he could see there was a time that it wasn't in either one of his yeah. arms and he expected it was on the ground. But I think it was laying on top of the USC player's arm yeah. and kind of pinned between the Tulane player's leg. And I think that's what happened. He just saw two empty hands of yeah. the Tulane uh, receiver, and that's I guess that's what he was thinking. I don't know. Nonetheless, congrats to Tulane. Um, very good story for them. And I saw a good amount of Tulane folks at the Cotton Bowl. I don't know where they were the whole regular season, but you know it's going to be a party in New Orleans tonight. They're keeping New Year's rolling, and it's good to see a conference member who's sticking around uh, win a big uh, bowl game like that, a premier bowl game like that, the Cotton Bowl. Congrats to Tulane. See, moving over to the NFL Monday afternoon quarterback segment here. Um, obviously, the uh, the big one we want to get into, mainly because our Chris Cook. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. The Packers. Dominant win over the Vikings. And this is why I can't trust the Vikings as legit Super Bowl contenders. They've had two games like this this year. When they lose or they lose a game – that they probably should have won in horrific fashion. And Kirk Cousins coming up short, of course. Justin Jefferson, only one catch on the day. And now the Packers control their own destiny. They have they only have, all they do is win next week against Detroit, which is very doable. And uh, same old, same old in the playoffs here. Brady's in it, and now Rodgers is in it. And yeah. we're winning the freaking Super Bowl. Oh, oh my, my goodness. goodness. We're but, winning the Super uh, Bowl. Hey, should we actually explain to the people, even though how the Packers are out, how they can get in? Because did you hear the guy on NBC last night? Okay. It just confused people more. So they've got that election correspondent <laughs> this on there. Phillips this so bothered Phillips. Yeah. So they've got that election correspondent on there. He has got he knows nothing about football. All he does is tell people the percentage. It's like this team won, so their percentage went yeah. up 10 points. Like He doesn't tell you who the remaining schedule is among teams, what their best 
chance is to get in. And he literally goes, the Packers will jump the Seahawks because they're going to get one more conference win because they play an NFC team. And everybody at their house is sitting there going, well, the Seahawks play the Rams, <laughs> who are also in the NFC. This guy's a moron. Yeah. So the reason why, right now, Seattle is sitting at the 7, and the Packers are sitting at the 9, but they automatically jump them, is right now Seattle, Detroit, and Green Bay are all tied. But Seattle has a head-to-head over Detroit, and Detroit has a head-to-head over Green Bay. But Seattle and Green Bay didn't play each other, so if Green Bay wins and they're tied with Seattle, it then does go to conference record, yep. and that is why Green Bay has a tiebreaker. So do not listen to that moron <laughs> on NBC that clearly needs to go back to talking about the elections. He knows nothing about football and is just a goofball hypo <laughs> goof pants. Oh, I know how that happened. Philip we- hates this guy. Yeah, no, he's an idiot, dude. I'm, he knows nothing. I'm 100% with him because this guy – during the last election, was on CNN, and like all these libtards on Twitter are praising him. Oh, he's explaining it so well. So that parlayed to him going on NBC and explaining the playoff scenario. And when he did it the first time and he started doing it, he was doing the same stuff where he's just confusing people and looking way too far into it. And he continues to do it. I just want to know if my team's making the playoff. Yeah. Or not. And he'll be like, with this win, they went up from 45% to a 60%. Stop I'm like, with the percentages. Yeah. yeah percentages cares? don't mean. I want to know who they've got to beat. I want to, if my team's got to win two games or have a win and this other team needs to lose at least one, yeah. tell me that. And then tell me, like, if my team is definitely going to be dogs in a game and the other team needs to lose one, be like, this is who they're playing and this is who they will probably have to lose against in order for your team to make the playoffs. But no, he's like, they got a 68% chance to win. What the heck does 68% yeah. mean, dude? I don't care about percentages. I want to know how many wins. How many games does my team need to win out of their last X amount of games in order to make the playoffs? And he's so hyper. Have Maria Taylor do this segment <laughs> and let her actually say what the schedule is and then let Tony Dungy and Drew Brees talk about those games there you that go, she yeah. highlights. Because Maria Taylor knows what she's talking about. She understands football. This guy is just a goofball that – if I want to know how many electoral college votes Missouri has, I'm going to call this guy. If I'm going to talk about football, he's the last <laughs> moron I am calling. I love you, Philip. No, look, I know about football, and I'm going to tell you all you need to know. Okay, right here. Real simple, real quick. Oh, my goodness. Green Bay's making the playoffs, and then they're winning the whole thing. Wait, wait. That's but, but you, you got to remember, know. in order to win the whole thing, you have to win an NFC championship game. And Should we talk about Rodgers' record in the NFC shot. championship game? That's a cheap game? shot. Hey. Well, you know where we're at right now. Yeah. We're sitting, at we're home sitting on, on our couch. couch. Yeah. Difference is, I knew the Panthers were going to stink. This guy's over here putting his team, who ain't even in the playoffs yet, in the in the dang Super Bowl. I've believed no, they in still got to go to Philly and win. And Jalen Hurts is going to be back. Hey, the, also Tampa Bay's got something that ain't none of you these other teams got. Tom Brady, yeah. and he looked like Tom Brady yesterday. Absolutely. Um, another big snippet out of the NFL right now. Josh Dobbs moving forward as the starter will play in the AFC South title game against the Jaguars. Um, I don't completely understand this move. I guess Malik Willis' development really fell off, which if you remember, Panthers fans, that was supposed to be the answer to all our problems. Malik Willis, we can't even get a damn start when Ryan Tannehill is out. So uh, that tells you all you need to know. Josh Dobbs wasn't great last week. Um, Josh Dobbs, only a touchdown and an interception against the Cowboys in that 27-13 loss and a must-win game for the Titans. 232 passing yards, completed 20 out of 39 of his passes. So sub or a little bit over 50 or 50 percent. Josh Dobbs hasn't done anything great, but his playoff their playoff hopes rest on the old uh, rocket science major's hands. And I look at it, the Jags in a very favorable spot out of the AFC South. I think they're a dark horse moving forward in the playoffs. So they have a lot of momentum riding. They're feeling themselves. They have a lot of confidence. They have the man, Trevor Lawrence, who's playing 
like an MVP caliber quarterback down the stretch here in these late games. I'm not saying he's an MVP contender, but he's been playing like what he's been drafted to do. All this draft type as him of a number one overall pick is coming into fruition here of Trevor Lawrence. I think Jags are sitting in a favorable spot over the Titans, especially with the injuries on the Titans end. Um, we don't really know what's going on with Derrick Henry. It seems like he's going to be out for the year and a couple other guys on the offensive end. Go Jags, baby. I'm pulling for him. I'm pulling for him also, yeah. yes. Oh, I'm ready for you. Yeah, Zay Jones, Sunshine. I love Sunshine. Yeah. It's ETN. Oh, I'm excited for this game. It's going to be a great game Saturday night. Um, I was kind of hoping it was going to be the Sunday night game. Yeah. Uh, now I guess, should be, honestly. Yeah. Now, well, the thing is, if the Bengals lose tonight, yeah. um, them and the Ravens will be in the same scenario. And those are bigger fan base following, so I think that's the reason they did it. However, the crappy thing is that the Bengals win tonight, they lock up the AFC North. So it's then kind of like, what do you do? Then? Yeah, where do you put? Wh- who do you put? What's well, like? Who do you put as that Sunday night game? And yeah, that kind of puts the NFL in a weird see, spot. Maybe either the Packers or that AFC South title game. I would think. Well, the AFC South game's already moved to Saturday. Uh, the thing is that the, yeah. my only problem with the Packers is this: if the Seahawks win, yep. And they play earlier than the Packers. That automatically eliminates the Lions, and then the Lions might not go out there and try to beat Green Bay. They yeah. might put in their bums, and that's not fair to Seattle. Those two games need to be played at the same time. But it sounds like that's what the NFL is going to do if the Bengals lose tonight. Um, so if you're a Lions fan or a Seahawks fan, you can actually be mad at the Ravens because if the Ravens would have won last night, tonight's game wouldn't matter for Cincinnati as far as that goes, and they would definitely be the Sunday night game. But uh, now, if the uh, Bengals knock off the Bills, and that's going to be a heck of a game tonight. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, so sorry, I went off on a tangent. No, you're all right. You're fine. Um, and then one thing I also want to talk about is the Washington Commanders. Um, what the hell are they doing starting Carson Wentz? You got the Carson Wentz of old, 143 passing yards, three interceptions, and a must-win game for the Commanders, um, who still had a playoff chance coming into that game. And then Deshaun Watson, it's really been his comeback game, had three t- passing touchdowns in that game. They He was very limited. Only 9 of 18, didn't have a lot of pass attempts, didn't really need to have a lot of pass attempts because Nick Chubb was lights out on the ground. But 169 passing yards, three passing touchdowns um, against the Commanders. And that begs the question, dare I say, Ron Uh Rivera on the hot seat for the Commanders. So here's the issue. Ben, you brought this point up last week. I don't remember if it's Thursday or Friday. You said that quarterbacks have too short of leashes. And you were talking about guys getting drafted, though. Mm -hmm. And, And I agree with you. Taylor Heineke had too short of a leash. Yep. He plays a couple bad games, and they bench him. And the well, locker like room's behind him. The locker room's behind him. He's had a good season, yep. and that's the guy you've been winning with, and all of a sudden you want to go switch and play with Carson Wentz. No, you go to a guy, you stick with him. You know, It's different if Wentz would have came back from injury and he would have been balling out before he got hurt, but he yep. wasn't. Uh, yeah, no, I. that's the issue. You should have stayed with Heineke. I could, if I'm a Commanders fan, I can live losing with Taylor Heineke as opposed to switching to Carson Wentz Absolutely. and him come out there and laying an egg. And uh, dare I say that's part of that conservative approach where you stick with your starter, who was your day one starter, um, and you just go with – it just seems like such a Ron Rivera move that's, that's kind of plagued his career. And uh, he's got to be on the hot seat, man. Commanders – um, I don't think they're about to do a total rebuild, but they're going to have to have a reset kind of deal going on here soon because there's a lot of questions at quarterback. You can't move forward with Carson Wentz. You can't do it. Otherwise, it will cost your career as a head coach. Um, and it begs the question, um, you have serious reevaluation to do at the head coach position because it's the same old, same old with the commanders. Um, you have a chance at the playoffs down the stretch, and you always come up short. And it's coming to the point or come down to the point, what's it going to take? What is it going to take? And I think you ultimately look at uh, you 
point the finger at coaching? Uh, my thing is we've been – so our entire lives, yeah. we've been asking this question about the Washington Commanders football team and Redskins. Yeah. Um, I think this is bigger than that. This is a Dan Snyder thing. I, I mean, agree. Look, Rippon had his one good year that he took him one in the Super Bowl. I mean, he might have had a couple good years in there, but they haven't really had a starter since Doug Williams. I mean, year in and year out of starter, they felt great about since Doug Williams. Really, their best that was one that had a little bit of a tenure was Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Yep. I mean, now obviously the RG three thing was just junk luck. Yeah, I mean, he that's would have been just the best probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah he... But I mean, and even Williams, they he didn't start at the beginning. I shouldn't even say Williams. Hey, he even started at the beginning. They put him yeah. in late. They haven't had a legit quarterback year in and year out since Theismann. Yeah, really. Yeah, since Theismann. Um, just Washington Commanders, same old, same old. I saw they revealed their new, uh, new mascot, and this really pissed me off. It's a pig. That's what you wanted it to be. Why you not? just wanted the team to be the Hogs. Be the Hogs, then. I don't get why they did that. Just be the Hogs. I know you wanted that so bad. I wanted it so bad. Just be the damn Hogs. The pit. The, I like. I love the new mascot. That's a pig. He's a. He's like a little grunt. He's got a little. Um. He's got a little like army helmet on. Looks yeah, like no, he should that, be smoking a cigarette. Yeah, I mean that. <laughs> that totally is their identity. You want to talk about history of this team? They were the ones that were first called the Hogs. I love that mascot. But yeah. <laughs> Like yeah, you said, change it is the name. what it is. That's going to do it for the Monday afternoon quarterback. Coming up, a little bit more into the headlines around sports. We'll take a look at the Rose Bowl and talk a little bit about the college football games over the weekend. We'll wrap it up on their side and lead you in the inside Ethiopia Athletics with Mike Schwartz, Ezra Ozar, and Javon Small right here on the flagship station of Ethiopia Pirates. 94 through the game, the Patrick Johnson Show. The pitch. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. That ball is gone. Your flagship home of Pirate Baseball. 94-3, the game. Chico's! <laughs> Chico's Mexican restaurant is where the fiesta never ends. Grab your amigos and head to Chico's every Wednesday for shrimp tacos for $11.99. Plus, Wednesdays means all Mexican imports for just $2.99. Thursdays, enjoy your favorite beef, chicken, or vegetable fajitas for only $11.99. For Mexican food and fun, it's got to be Chico's Mexican restaurant in downtown Greenville and online at chicosrestaurant.com. Chico's, where the fiesta never ends. You don't have to go through yet another year of pain, knee pain, back pain, people with chronic joint pain. Well, they're getting real lasting relief from QC Kinetics. Patrick Johnson here. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader in advanced regenerative medicine. Their unique protocols use healing agents from your own body to target aching joints. You got shoulder pain, excruciating hip pain, even if you have any arthritis pain or lingering pain from an injury. Don't let them operate on you and give you more steroids. Say no to the pain pills. Call QC Kinetics and see if their life-changing, all-natural treatments can get you living your best life in the new year. I'm telling you, people are raving about these treatments. This is the future of joint pain management, and appointments are available as soon as next week. Make 2023 the year you say goodbye to joint pain. Call QC Kinetics now for a free consultation, 252-765-PAIN. QC Kinetics, 252-765-PAIN. I'm with my health insurance agent, Bill Jenkins. Bill is an employee benefit specialist and life insurance agent from Town Insurance. Bill, give us an update on Town Insurance here in North Carolina. Town Insurance is a top insurance and employee benefits agency in North Carolina and ranks in the top 50s nationwide. 
We have primary offices in Greenville, Kinston, Wilmington, Raleigh, and now Charlotte. And Bill, what are areas Town Insurance specializes in? With our experienced account management team, we specialize in employee benefits, including group medical, dental, life, vision, disability, and voluntary options for employees. We compare these options with several of the best carriers in the market and assist businesses on benefit administration as well as employee education and enrollments. And how can a business best contact you to review their employee benefits program? Give us a call, 252-756-8300. Call today as the best time is now to come to town. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Baby, don't hurt me. Wrapping up the Patrick Johnson Show, Ben B. Baby Barn, Phil the Ref, Pilkington, and Chris Cook filling in for the P-Man. And uh, looking at the spread for tonight between the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals could be a potential Super Bowl. Who knows? Nonetheless, Buffalo fair by two and a half for entertainment purposes only with the over-under at 50 and a half. We're leading you in the Inside the ECU Athletics Coaches Show with Mike Schwartz, Ezra Ozar, and Javon Small live from Logan's Roadhouse. That comes your way at 6 o'clock, so stay tuned right here on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Athletics with the voice of the Pirates, Jeff Charles. A um, couple of interesting news and notes. Taking a look at college football as we speak. we got the Rose Bowl currently on between 11th-ranked Penn State and 8th-ranked Utah. Penn State currently leads 7 nothing. Utah driving, currently 2nd-3 at the Utah 48. Uh, so Utah making a play, trying to make a play here. About 15 minutes left in the second quarter, so just begun very early in that ball game. Of course, Tulane got a huge win, a one-point victory over USC, 46-45 to in the Cotton Bowl. Congratulations to Tulane. A couple other games that happened earlier today. We got the uh, Cheese at Citrus Bowl, LSU pound and Purdue, 63-7, to and 22nd-ranked Mississippi State gets it done for Mike Leach, RIP, over Illinois, 19-10 to in the ReliQuest Bowl. A couple other interesting news and notes. Um, taking a look at some games that happened a little bit earlier um, in the month. We have UTSA lost to Troy, 18-12, to future AAC member. UAB beats Miami, Ohio, 24-20. to uh, Rice loses their bowl game to Southern Miss, 38-24. to Boise State defeats North Texas, 35-32. to A couple future AAC members in that group. And then we got college football playoff time, baby. TCU moving forward to the championship game. The big shocker from the weekend is they defeat Michigan 51-45. to A real feel-good story for TCU, who was really the underdogs coming in to the college football playoff. A lot of people thinking they probably shouldn't have belonged there, but it's good to see them get the win. They will take on Georgia, who defeated Ohio State, came down to a last-second field goal that Ohio State obviously missed. So top-ranked Georgia versus third-ranked TCU. That comes your way next Monday at 7.30. Uh, opening odds have Georgia favored by 13 points with the over-under at 62. Early predictions for that game, fellas. You take um, it first, Chris. Sorry, what game? <laughs> Jesus Christ, Chris. TCU and Georgia, national championship. I, I'm pulling for TCU all the way, and I'm, I'm going to pick them. Okay, all right. They've overcome the odds so far against a really good Michigan team, so – um, 
I think they hang in there. I think it's really close, but yeah. I do think Georgia wins it. I think Georgia's a better team. TCU's that team that won't go away. They're gritty. They're tough. But at the end of the day, I think it's going to come down to talent, and um, I think Georgia's going to take it. It's okay. Very yeah. close, though. I agree. I got Georgia by ass whipping. I'm sorry. I mean, I would love to see TCU win, but Georgia's clearly talented. They're built for the national championship. They're built to win another title. Um, they got a lot of uh, really good returners coming for that team. Um, I'm just taking Georgia by a lot. I think they uh, they cover the spread here as well. I'm rooting for the upset all the way. I am too. All I want to see it happen. I just I I, I got you. TCU has hung in in every important game this year and made it entirely way too close. Um, maybe you could say they're battle tested. Maybe that's why that plays into their favor, and you can make the argument they will win. But uh, I just don't see it. Georgia clearly the better team. Um, very, I think they're more talented, obviously, um, and they got a lot of their key players back. Um, I think it'll be a fun one, but Georgia's going to take it for sure. All right, I'll, I'll say this much. Do you have a TCU at least covering the sped, spread of Georgia favor by 13? Yes, easy. Yep. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'll say yes, too. It's a one-score game. Wow. It's 10 at worst. It's worse they're up three and they score late to make well, it. Well, the trend with TCU this year tends to believe that that may be the case. If we're going by the numbers, we're going off history here during the season. Um, that's not a bad pick at all. I respect it. Hey, that's very ballsy, but I respect it. P-Man will be back tomorrow here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Uh, return to normalcy. If you hated us, he'll be back. The professional voice of 94-3 the game. Flagship stage the ECU Pirates. It's been fun, of, though. It has been fun. The it worst part fun. about us is nobody, nobody brought the Winter Classic, man. It's New Year's Day. Boston win. Yeah. Boston won. There you First go. First team to win three Winter Classics. They How about those Pittsburgh. Bruins, baby? That's going to do it for us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Special thanks to Chris Cook and Philip Pilkington and Patrick Johnson. That's going to do it for us here. Inside ECU Athletics Coaches Show with Mike Schwartz live from Logan's Roadhouse. Next here, right here on the flagship station, ECU Pirates, 94-3, the game. See you. For an update from Town Insurance, I've got my friend Jim Clement in the studio with me. Jim, great to see you. What's new at Town Insurance? What's new, Henry, is our growth in this state. We have now exceeded $60 million in revenue with 300 employees.